I think about literally, I've been blessed to have always had a job. In my 51 years, in the, the years that I've lived and worked, I always had a job. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Obviously, when you think of houses and jobs, you think of finances. Finances. I, I, think, I don't think any one of us is as rich as we'd like to be, but I know a whole bunch of us aren't as poor as we could be. And when you think about blessings, you think about finances. And so, you think about, <clears throat> when I hear the word blessed, I think of material blessings. Uh, again, count your blessings is a great hymn, but it's an even greater habit. Amen? So, I think about material blessings, but also, when I think of the word blessed or blessings, I think of simple blessings. You know what I think of when I think of simple blessings? I think of a loving family. A loving family. You know, there are people with gizads of money who would give it all for a loving family. That's a blessing. You know, I mentioned this morning, uh, uh, I think it was during Sunday school, uh, listen, my children, my children, I love my children, they're growing up so fast, just, my children have never heard their mother and I yell at each other, not once. You know why, Brother Jim? It hadn't happened. We just, we have a peaceful home, a place of peace. Now, I, I remember hearing years ago my friend Phil Tharp talk about how his mother, her name was Goldie Nye, old Goldie Nye Tharp. And Goldie Nye was born with, with one arm. She was born with a right arm, but Miss Mary, she just had a nub. She was just born that way. And Brother Tharp said his dad was a mean drunk, and he would, he would literally get drunk and grab her, pull her by the hair, drag her down the stairs, and beat a one-armed woman. Now, you think about that. that that's just, by the way, that's what booze will do. Booze will take a regular man and turn him into a maniac. But you know what? My friend Phil Tharp and his, his two brothers... Norm and Randy, they were up in their bedroom, and they'd, they'd cower in that bedroom as this was going on. You know what he said? He said, you know, God, one day if you let me have a home, it'll be a place of peace. And we've seen all six of the Tharp kids up here singing at our revival meetings. You know, a peaceful home's a blessing. Loving home, peaceful home, I think about it, just loving family. You know, Brother Lawley mentioned today and freedom. It's a blessing. Blessing. We, we, we understand God is the author of freedom. Absolutely He is. But for those that have defended it and protected it all these years in America, our military, thank God for that blessing. You know, it's a blessing to have a copy of the Word of God. I think of a, a simple blessing, not only, not only the idea of material blessings, but a simple blessing. Think about a local church family. I had some guests with us today. It's good to have some guests. We had some folks that had been out for a while and, and were able to come back. And, and you know what? When you see folks like that, it's just such a blessing. They're, they're just part of the family that's just been away for a little while. Local church family. By the way, I've been in some local churches where it wasn't a family. That's a sad thing. 
Not supposed to be that way. I, I like to think it's supposed to be the way it is here. But I've been enough places to know it's not always the way it is here. So what a blessing. What a blessing. I think about friends who care about you. People that you know. Just friends who care about you. I got a call last night from a, a, a friend of mine from Bible college that I've not heard from for years. He said, I follow you on Facebook. He said, I want you to know we're praying for Carrie. And uh, I just want to let you know we're in your corner. He asked me, he said, are you wanting for anything? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can give you? I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I've not heard from that brother in years. That's a blessing. That he just called just to let me know that I was his friend. You know, I think about material blessings and simple blessings. And of course, we could talk about temporal blessings. Say, what's that? Food and raiment. Food and raiment. Amen. How many of you had a good lunch today? Raise your hand. Don't be belching during the service. Thank you very much. Amen. Yeah. Took a nap. Amen. You, you look, I mentioned in my, I looked at my closet this morning, Brother Jim, and I saw all these suits that one person or another had given to me over the years. Just, I thought about what a blessing. What a blessing. My son's wearing one of my suits tonight. I'm serious. He is. Amen. Looks better in it than I do. Hallelujah. <laughs> of course, that doesn't take much. Amen. But you know, when we think of blessings, I, I think we're probably all cut out of the same cloth here. We think of material blessings, and we think of simple blessings, and we think of temporal blessings, but I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget about spiritual blessings. I want you to go with me over to the book of Ephesians, please. And we're going we're gonna to use our Bibles a little bit tonight. I'll, I'll give you the intro in, in just a minute there in, in uh, the 32nd chapter of Psalms, and we'll really get into the message. Why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 1, and we studied the book of Ephesians. We did 86 lessons on Ephesians on Wednesday nights, and uh, the running joke was I probably wasn't going to get it finished before the rapture of the church and uh, then finish it in heaven, amen, uh, but then we wouldn't need to finish it. But Ephesians chapter 1, and there's a phrase here in, in, in the beginning that I want you to notice with me. He, he gives his introduction here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, look at verse 3, pay close attention here. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath what? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And if you jump down to verse number 7, verse 6, please, it says, uh, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, that's Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Go back with me, if you would, and we'll be in our Bibles tonight, but go back to Psalm 32 and look at those first two verses with me. It talks here in Ephesians about all, spirit, all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And we're just touching on one of them tonight. 
There's a whole bunch more in that chapter. But he says here in verse 1, Psalm 32, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. This, this psalm, Psalm 32, is, is uh, what many call the sister psalm of Psalm 51. And both of those are what are called penitential psalms. I think most of us uh, understand the idea of penitence, the idea of being sorrowful. For sin. And this particular psalm, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, are connected to David's sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I think, again, those of us that know our Bibles know David was up on the rooftop when he should have been out to battle with his men. He saw Bathsheba bathing. That wasn't the sin, but he kept looking. Huh? And then he commanded that she be brought to him, and he committed adultery with her. And then, sure enough, she said, I'm expecting a baby. And he tried to call her husband home from the battle and tried to get Uriah to, to have carnal relations with his wife so that he could kind of get out of it. He wouldn't do that, amen. Then he got him drunk and tried to do it again. He wouldn't do that. So David signed his death warrant, gave him literally orders, said, give this to Joab. And what it said was he opened it up and said, when you get to the hottest part of the battle, you put your eye in the front and you tell everyone else to go to the back. You remember what happened. Joab wrote to David and said, it is done as you said and Uriah the Hittite is dead. And David went like this. Phew. Well, I got that over with. And for a year, David thought he got away with it. Old Nathan came along, told him the story about the man who had flocks and herds and the man who had one little lamb that was like a pet. And a, a stranger came to the rich man's house and instead of taking one of the many that he had, he went and took the other man's lamb and killed it and cooked it and dressed it. And uh, old Nathan said to David, he said, what do you think we ought to do to some rascal like that? And you remember David, old brother Stark, he got indignant. He got red in the face. He said, the man that hath done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold. Nathan said, thou art the man. You're the one. You did that. You, you're the king. You already had a wife, and you could have had anybody you wanted. You're the king. He said, and you took your neighbor's wife, and you had him killed, and and if, you know what happened after that? David was confronted with his sin, and he repented. Brother Hutchins, he knew he'd been covering that for a year. And he repented. And this psalm that we're reading right here is after, in the midst of that repentance. So we could look at, again, just, just looking at Psalm 32. Verses 1 and 2 deal with the eradication. That is the forgiveness. We're going to focus on that, so we'll not linger long there. But uh, verse 3 and 4 talk about conviction. It said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through all my roaring all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. You think David slept well during that year that he was covering his sin? I don't. 
I think God was convicting him about it. God was convicting him. So there's eradication, there's conviction. Thank the Lord in verses 5 and 6, we'll get to this in a little bit too, there's confession. It says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Mine iniquity have I not hid. You know, he'd hid it for a year. Got to the point where he just couldn't hide it anymore. When he got confronted with truth. So there's eradication, there's conviction, verses 3 and 4. Confession, verses 5 and 6. Praise God for protection, verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. You know, we're talking about sin. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about confession of sin. Aren't you glad that God is your hiding place concerning your sin? If you're not, you should be. I'm, listen, I'm glad I don't know your sins, and I'm glad you don't know my sins. Pastor, I want to know your sins. No, you don't. And I don't, listen, I promise you, I don't want to know yours either. I got enough trouble dealing with mine. He's my hiding place. Look at look what else it says in verse 7. He says, Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And if you look at verse 8, we see instruction. Not only protection and confession and conviction and eradication, we see instruction. What's he say there? I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way thou shalt go. Then you see direction. I will guide thee with mine eye. Then we see admonition. He says, don't be like the horse. Don't be like the mule. we got to put a bit and a bridle to turn them around. Receive instruction, amen. Take the instruction I give to you. And then we see exhortation. I love verse 11. Be glad in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Why? Because it goes all the way back to verses 1 and 2. Blessed. You know that word means happy. Happy. Blessed is, the, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. I want to talk to you tonight about the spiritual blessing of forgiveness or the blessedness of being forgiven. And I entitled the message, So Blessed. And, and I did because that word blessed is used in verse 1 and 2 and it's both about the same thing. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit is no guile. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five points tonight. Number one, the problem. What's the problem? The problem, if you look at verses one and two, is one thing. We're blessed, yes, we're so blessed. Yes, we've got that word in there twice. But what's the problem in there? Sin. Sin. Now, I know you don't think so, especially you grandparents. But every one of those little rascals is a sinner. I know, Grandma and Grandpa, you're ready to duke it out with me right now. Well, let me just put it this way. Those kids that you had, you knew they were sinners. And all they had when they had kids was sinners. The Bible, listen, the Bible tells us uh, in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When did that happen? That happened in the garden when Satan came and tempted Eve and Adam, and they both took of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, ate it when they knew they shouldn't have. 
When God told him, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So you see in this, these verses, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression means to cross the line. And then it says, whose sin is covered. Sin means to miss the mark. And then in verse 2 it said, Blessed unto the man whom, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That's three words. The word iniquity has to do with the lack of reverence for God's law. So in this verse, here's the problem. We've crossed the line. We've missed the mark. And we did not have a reverence for God's law. I call that sin, sinfulness, and sinners are the problem. And that's all of us. That's a problem. Listen, sin is committed. It's brushed aside. It's ignored and renamed by a godless world. Amen? It's denied. But I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, it is always there with hot breath on our necks stalking us, demanding payment. Brother Talbert, the wages of sin is death. You know what? Sin has to be paid for. Sin has... Go, go back to the garden. Go back to when Adam and Eve sinned. What did God do? God killed a lamb and covered Adam and Eve. Their, their, their fig leaves weren't enough. And I'm going to tell you something. Our fig leaves of our righteousness aren't enough. Almost all things are purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, Hebrews 9 and 22 tells us. So the problem. What's the problem? Sin. Sin. But then there's the promise. I want to go back and look at a couple of Old Testament verses here. And this, this will encourage you because these were penned long before Jesus Christ came on the scene. And we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But go back to the book of Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. This is encouraging for many reasons. Just the text itself is encouraging. But also when it took place. Because just two chapters before... Moses has met with God, and he comes down with, with the, the tables of stone, amen, and he comes into the camp, and there's all kinds of lewdness and debauchery going on, and, and Aaron has made a golden calf, and they are worshiping it, worshiping it, and you remember Moses takes those tables of stone, and he throws them down in righteous anger. Then just two chapters later, we find in Exodus 34, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were on the first tables which thou breakest. By the way, I love that. That verse itself is just, what a God we serve. He could have just said, well, I gave it to you once and that was enough. He didn't do that. And he goes on, and uh, if you look at verse number 6, please. It says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, in abundance 
abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Look at the next passage, ladies and gentlemen. Forgiving iniquity and 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 sin. All three words that we just looked at in Psalm 32. So that means he's willing to forgive me when I miss the mark. He's willing to forgive me when I cross the line. And he is willing to forgive me when I have a lack of reverence for his law. Truly he is long-suffering and gracious and merciful. Now go with me over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Book of Jeremiah. So we looked at the problem. Here we're looking at the promise. The promise. Jeremiah chapter 31. That's right about in the center of your Bible. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 31. 31. Jeremiah 31. And we're just going to look at one verse here and then we'll move on. So we have the problem. The problem is sin. The problem is iniquity. The problem is transgression. And we all have that problem. But here we have the promise that our God is willing to forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. We see in Jeremiah 31, 34, please. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. What a day this is going to be. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's a promise. We got the, the problem, yes, is sin. The promise is God in His loving nature desires to forgive sin. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, all He's got to work with are sinners. Hmm? The promise, the problem. Go with me to the New Testament, to Acts chapter 13, please. And then we're going to go to Colossians. Acts chapter 13. Moving around our Bibles tonight. That's all right. We're a Bible-believing church. Amen. Bible-preaching church. I believe you ought to use the Bible. I remember being a new believer, not knowing where books were and having to go to the index. And then I saw people with the cheater tabs. I said, ooh, that's good right there. i got to get one of those Bibles. Then I saw how expensive they were, and I said, I can just go back to the index and find the page number. Amen. Uh, look at... Verse number, oh, look at verse 37 of chapter 13 of Acts. It says, but he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Now, who is that? That's Jesus. That's who is speaking of here. He's talking about Jesus. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that's Jesus, is preached unto you the what? The forgiveness of sins. And by Him all that believe 
are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So you got Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I almost forgot that. Some of you looked at me. I know where they are, amen. <laughs> oh. Colossians chapter 1. Are you there? Say amen. Yes. Are you getting there? Say oh me. <laughs> A couple of me's here, that's all right. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 13, please. It says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Jump over one chapter, chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. It says, "...and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him." So we were sinners, we were, we were dead in sins until something happened, until we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 14, "...blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross." Say, what do you see here? We have the problem, sin. We have the promise that God, because of His love, desires to grant forgiveness. Here we have, ladies and gentlemen, the payment. The wages of sin is death. And what did Jesus Christ do on the cross? He died. He died to pay for our sin. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is not only a manifestation of God's love, as Romans 5.8 tells us, uh, for God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, but also the full payment for sin, making forgiveness possible for anybody who wants it. That's what John the Baptist meant when he pointed at Jesus said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of this world. See, up till that point, the offerings of the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen, they just covered sin. Just covered it. But it could never be completely forgiven until the full payment was made. By the way, you ever think about this? If a person dies and goes to hell, and why do people die and go to hell? Because they have not received the forgiveness of sin, because sin must be paid for. It's available for anybody who will call upon the name of the Lord. But you understand this, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one thing that ever satisfied God for sin, and that was Christ's death on the cross. If a person would spend a billion years in hell paying for their sin, it would never satisfy God. That's why that's a fool's bargain, ladies and gentlemen. They say, oh, religion's a crutch. Yeah, I'll lean on that crutch all day long. I'll I'll lean on it all eternity long. Rather than be so prideful, I'd die and go to hell and spend eternity there and never get my sins paid for. Never. The promise, the problem, the payment... I want you to look, if you would, with me in the New Testament here. Let's look at the process. 
See, what's the process? We'll go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Go back just a little bit there. See a couple verses here in Romans chapter 3. And it starts, ladies and gentlemen, with recognition. This is where we say, if you can't accept the fact that you're a sinner, you can't be saved. Because you have nothing to be saved from. Now, again, I happen to agree with the Word of God where it says in verse 23 here, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now think about David's story. When did, it, when did it click for him? When Nathan came and he recognized the fact that he had, he had buried it for so long. You say, can that really happen? Can you bury sin for so long that you can forget about it? I'll tell you what the New Testament says. The New Testament talks about in 2 Peter chapter 1 how we're to, we're to not only we, we have these exceeding great and precious promises that we're partakers of the divine nature, but then it tells us add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. And it goes on and gives us this big laundry list of virtues, but then it says this, for if a man lacketh these things, he's blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. That, that, that tells me when I read that, Brother Cole, that you can go up to a door and talk to somebody and, and you get to the end and give them the gospel and get to the end and the guy say, I did that years ago. But he literally forgot about it because he never grew. I want to tell you something. If, if you can forget that you're even saved because you didn't grow, I will tell you this. If you bury sin long enough, you'll forget about it. Now, thank God for recognition. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've got to recognize the fact that you're a sinner condemned and in need to be saved. That's the process. First of all, there's recognition. But secondly, there's also conviction. We looked at that in Psalm chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. It said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through all my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture turned into the drought of summer. He, he's saying here, listen, uh, a God put his hand of conviction upon me. I agree 100% old Don Green's in heaven. He used to say, no conviction, no conversion. Amen. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. Shallow, and again, I think we could all be better gospel witnesses, but shallow conversions, one, two, three, pray after me, is not of God. Too many people still, one, two, three, pray after me and fill out a big sheet. Oh, I had 78 people saved. None baptized, none added to the church, but 78 people saved. Okay, you say so. Huh. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's got to be conviction. There's got to be recognition. There's got to be conviction. But then there's got to be reception. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Brother Ken, when I'm under conviction of the fact that I'm a sinner and need to be saved, and I am shown the glorious Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, why wouldn't I want Him? That's what it is to receive the Lord. I remember that day. 
all those years ago. I remember just, just listen, I didn't have all the theology down. My goodness. I, I didn't know the virgin birth from the vicarious atonement. I didn't know anything. I know how great thou art from great is thy faithfulness. Amen? I know any of that. I just knew this, that I was a sinner, needed to be saved, that he was the Savior and willing to save. And the moment that I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I was forgiven of all my sins, ladies and gentlemen. All my sins. Every last one of the sins that I will ever commit. See, there's some people that teach, well, you're, you're forgiven up to the point where you get saved, and then you're responsible for the... You're, you're, if that's you, you're in a mess. You're in trouble. Because, I'm telling you, 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 you got a lot to give an account for if that's you. Because if you, don't, if you think because you get saved that you never sin again, I've got news for you. You just did. Yeah. It's called pride. <laughs> have, you, have you intentionally sinned since you've been saved? Yes. How many times? None of your business. But way too many to count on fingers, toes, and all the fingers and toes in this entire room. And please keep your shoes on. Thank you very much. Listen, listen, the process is we receive the Lord and we are forgiven and we are so blessed that we are forgiven. If you're here tonight and you've trusted Christ, listen to me. I know we still have this flesh. I know we have to still carry this old man around. And by the way, the flesh still wants to do what it wants to do. I'm going to get into that in just a second here. But in that process, if you, listen, if you had the recognition that you were a sinner and you had conviction of the Holy Spirit and you had the reception, you, you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins were washed away. And you could say, like the psalmist, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Why? Because we learn in Psalm 51 that David said, he said, wash me throughly from mine iniquity. And he said, uh, purge, purge my sin with hyssop. And he said this, he said, because my sin is ever before me. I've, I've used this illustration before. Some of you have heard it. About the little boy, and he was, he was almost to the point of being incorrigible. It's an old term that people used to use about bad boys. And the dad would take him out and he'd, he'd wear him out. And the boy just kept doing wrong, kept doing wrong. And the dad was just trying to figure some way to get through to him. And so instead of the normal applying the board of education to the seat of knowledge that many of us have endured, every time that boy would do something wrong, the dad would take him out to the back of the fence and they would put a nail inside the fence and after a while there's just nails everywhere then he took the boy out and he taught him about forgiveness and he taught him when 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 the discipline's over it's forgiven and he began to have the boy pull out all the nails and the boy took the claw hammer and he pulled out all the nails 
And all the nails were gone. And then the little boy came to his dad in tears. And he said, he thought he, the dad thought he'd done something again. And he said, son, what's wrong? He said, come with me, dad. And he walked out there and he came to the fence. And he said, look at the fence, dad. He said, I know all the nails are gone. He said, but all the holes are still there. And our sin's been forgiven, but we don't forget it, do we? We know when we let God down. We know when we, we, we disappointed God. Here's where I want to get into the, the last part of it. Because we are so blessed. And unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, Right? So we looked at the problem. The problem is sin. We looked at the promise, the promise of uh, God's love, desires to grant forgiveness. We looked at the payment. That's Jesus Christ. He is the gift of God for us on the cross. Amen. Praise God that the just died for the unjust on the cross of Calvary. And then we looked at the, the, the process. The process is recognition, conviction, and reception. But then let's look at the practical if we could. The practical. You say, what's the practical? Go to 1 John. Almost at the back of your Bible is 1 John chapter 1. There's two parts about the practical I want to get at tonight, and we'll be done right on time. First John. Really, sorry, I got... Three, three parts to the practical here. First one. First one is forgiveness needed. Because we're still sinners, because we still live in this fleshly body, we still need to talk to God. We're, we, we're, we're forgiven in our standing, but in our state, we still need forgiveness. Sin sometimes come between us and God. It's 1 John 1.9. Here's the wonderful verse. I mean, it's a wonderful verse. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is He faithful and just to do that? Because He has already paid for every last one of them. So he's faithful and just, and that, the, 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 that verse is just so tremendous. It literally means every time that we go to God and we say, God, forgive me of this sin, he wipes the slate clean. He cleanses us. I think about people who struggle with different things. And by the way, everybody has different struggles. There are people that struggle with bitterness. There are people that struggle with alcohol. There are people that struggle uh, uh, with unforgiveness. There are people that struggle with cigarettes. And, and maybe, maybe they're trying to quit smoking, just use that for an example, and, and they'll have a cigarette and they'll, they'll get so disgusted with themselves, they'll crush it up and they'll say, God, forgive me, this is the fifth time that I have come to you and asked for forgiveness. And God says, no, it's the first time. And you know why he says that? Because He is faithful and just. Not because we're wonderful. Because He is faithful and just. He forgave the last four times and doesn't hold it against us. Thank God for that. So forgiveness is needed. Then we're talking about the practical. Hey, we're still going to need to ask God for forgiveness. We're still going to sin. Now, 
Again, I don't believe in sinless perfection, but I do believe the longer you're saved, you should be sinning less. Loving Him more and sinning less. I think it's a natural consequence of growth and growing in your love for Jesus Christ, is to sin less. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 18. So there's the practical of forgiveness needed. Okay? Forgiveness needed. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If, thou sh- if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Here we see not only forgiveness needed, but sometimes forgiveness has to be asked for. I've had to do that. I've had to do that in my office with brothers in Christ where I had offended them, and I had legitimately offended them. And you know what, Brother Hutchick? I said, well, I'm the pastor. Bless the Lord. No, I'm your brother in Christ. And just because I stand up here doesn't mean I'm above anybody. Sometimes forgiveness needs to be asked for. Brother, will you forgive me? Sorry. I said that. I, I don't know why I said that. I, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to hurt you. Never do that. Please forgive me. That's the practical, ladies and gentlemen. That's because it's like the couple that came in for marriage counseling, and the, the pastor was trying to, trying to figure out the story, and he, he looked at the man, and he looked at the woman, and he said, do you folks ever have any cross words? And they said, no, our words fly so fast, they never even cross each other. Amen? Yeah. Did you ever, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, did you ever say anything stupid? <laughs> yeah. And some, of you are, some of you are hitting your spouse right now, amen? Don't say anything, amen? Don't nod your head, amen? No. Listen, so sometimes forgiveness is needed on, by us. Sometimes forgiveness needs to be asked for by us. And then one more with me. Go to Colossians chapter 3. We're done. So there's the problem. The problem is sin. There's the promise. Sins can be forgiven. There's the payment. Jesus Christ died to, <clears throat> for the forgiveness of sin. There's the process, the recognition of sin, the conviction of sin, the reception of the Savior. And then there's the practical. Forgiveness is needed by us. Forgiveness sometimes needs to be asked for. And then lastly... Here we go, Colossians 3.13. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. I love this verse. This verse, there is no loophole in this verse. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's because you want it there. It's because you won't release it. Because there is no loophole in this verse. This verse tells us exactly what we need to do. And it says in Colossians 3.13, Forbearing one another, that means to put up with each other. Praise God, I'm I'm glad you put up with your pastor. I'm glad you do, amen? You obey the first part of this verse, amen? Well, the second part is the one we all need to individually obey too. 
and what? Not only forbearing one another, and one another, and here it is. So, Pastor, you don't know what's happened to me. I agree, I don't know, but here it is. Here's what the Word says. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. So how many sins did he forgive you of? When you come to him and confess your sins, is he faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Amen. So you know what he tells you to do? Grant forgiveness. Is that easy? No, it is not. I don't think the cross was easy. That's where forgiveness was born, wasn't it? That's, that's, where, that's where forgiveness came to be. Now, by the way, this, sometimes people misinterpret this idea of forgiveness. Sometimes people aren't interested in your forgiveness, and you just need to forgive them, and you're not going to snuggle up tight with them. You're not going to be best buddies. That's okay. But don't harbor any unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart because, listen, as long as Christ forgives you, you're commanded to forgive them. And he told us in Ephesians 4.32, it's a sister verse to Colossians 3.13, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Listen, a righteous God forgives you as a, an unworthy sinner because of what Christ did. And he does it every time. And he absolutely, because he loves his son, he loves us. Who do we think we are to fold our arms, harden our face, like we've been sucking on lemons for the day? We hear somebody's name and we, we roll our eyes. And Listen, I, I've struggled with bitterness and unforgiveness through the years. So have you. If we're so blessed... That our sin and our transgression and our iniquities is covered and forgiven and put away. Ladies and gentlemen, in the practical, we are to grant forgiveness. It's a command. Stop sinning against that command. That sin is just as, listen, that sin is just as ugly as lying or abomination of homosexuality. Or, that sin is ugly. That's right. Unforgiveness. It's ugly. It's even more ugly because you're forgiven and I'm forgiven. We have experienced God's forgiveness and, and love to sing about His grace and then we'll harbor unforgiveness towards somebody. Even another believer. Awful. I said awful. It's absolutely we Listen, we, thank God, listen, thank God for the process of how we got saved and how we were forgiven. But how about we live in the practical? Listen, I still need forgiveness. And by the way, you ought to read Matthew 6, 14, and 15. They're powerful verses. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men your trans their transgressions, your heavenly Father won't forgive yours. And it's not saying you're not going to be saved. It's saying you're not going to be in fellowship with God, not going to be getting your prayers answered, not going to be having a relationship with Him. Why? Because you've got this big blockade between you and Him called unforgiveness. Remember what he said? He said, if you, you, you bring a gift to the altar and you remember you have aught with your brother, you go make things right with your brother and then come and offer your gift. I think that applies to prayer. 
you got unforgiveness in your heart. You say, oh, I'm going to offer God this. And he's saying, you know what? You're offering me polluted bread. That's what he said in Malachi. You're offering me polluted bread. I don't want polluted bread. Go make things right and then come and offer. And we don't like preaching like this because, ladies and gentlemen, I think a lot of us like to pet this little sin of unforgiveness. We are so blessed in the fact that we are forgiven. Let's make sure we live in the practical. Let's, let's keep our hearts right with God. Let's, hey, let's get that beam out of our own eye. That's our own sin. I mean, let's deal with our own sin. And then sometimes we got to go and ask for forgiveness. We're going to rub people the wrong way sometimes. Just a part of life, amen? Church families. Church families that deal with things biblically stay unified church families. Church families that don't harbor unforgiveness and bitterness and it breaks out. It's like a it's like a, a pandemic amongst the congregation. And then we always just need to grant forgiveness. Even if it's in private, just between you and God. I'm forgiving this person. I am, I'm just not going to allow this to hinder my relationship with my Heavenly Father. We are so blessed. Why are we so blessed? I'll tell you, because the Bible says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit is there, and there is no guile. We are so blessed. Let's make sure that we're being a blessing to others that need forgiveness as well. Lord, we love you. Thank you for these simple thoughts from your word tonight. Thank you for forgiveness. The, the hardest thing you ever did was forgive a sinner. 